Hi, everybody. I'm Robin. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for having me tonight. Um, I haven't had enough time to get nervous. Um, this is kind of an impromptu uh, sharing. And um, I have shared before, but it was a long, long time ago. And I'll start off with saying um, I, I only have collectively eight months sober. Um, that was this past Wednesday. Um, but I've been whatever you'd like to say, the rotating door or chronic relapser, um, all those um, fun nicknames. Um, I've been in and out of the rooms for 22 years um, and most of it pretty sincerely. Um, but I don't really have any resentment about the length of time anymore. And I've kind of learned in the last eight months to um, be kinder to myself because I do finally understand that it's, you know, I've needed every drink to get where I'm at. And um, I don't generally say this. I definitely don't say it to my beloved family. And I don't say it to the people, um, the beloved people in the rooms that surround me and support me. Um, I don't go around saying, but this time's different because I've said that so many times. Um, but I will tell you strangers and not so strange um, that there is something different this time. And um, I think it's a compilation of everything, but it, it keeps me from being too hard on myself for all the mistakes that I've made Um and it's just experience. It's had to be exactly the way it's been. Um, I'm not going to go over my family much. I um, It's a dysfunctional family, um, but I was tremendously loved. And I still am today, which is a miracle. Um, they're at the wit's end. Um, but, you know, everybody, even though I'm not saying this time's different, my family and everybody can see a difference. Um, and that's kind of mind blowing to me because um, inside I feel a difference. Um, and a lot of it is a spiritual difference. Um, I've always believed in God, but every time I've, I've been in the rooms, I've kind of done layers and layers on top of my spirituality. And now I just feel like I have faith. I have an amazing amount of faith that, I, I have not had before. Um, I woke up on June 16th of last year and um, I had a sense of fear um, and horror that I had not had before. And um, it took me a few hours to kind of weed through all my feelings. Um, but it was kind of a sense of, um, that, well, I don't, for me, I've always had a sense of immortality, like that can't happen to me. Um, but I woke up one morning and, and I knew I felt I was going to die. I had came really close almost a year ago and other times in my life, just poor decisions and, um, you know, suicide and, um, I just really felt it. Um, and slowly things have changed since then. Um, and I've been working with the same sponsor for over a year. 
and I'm blessed with her. Um, she made me this time crawl over one, two, and three, which I've always kind of passed over figuring I had them down. Um, and I realized a lot of things and now I'm on my fourth step. I got stuck on it last year for six months. Um, and now I'm right at the end of it and I've had the most amazing fireworks and light bulbs um go off and explode in my head um in just one year's time um i just turned 50 years old and i've always thought i was pretty self-aware um and i'm a tad bit embarrassed to say that at 50 um i just this four step this time it's like i'm it's like a different person doing it i just have identified so much um so many fears and uh, resentments, um, the sexual history patterns. Um, and I'm just at a really, um, I know that I'm having a spiritual experience and I've never said that before either. Um, and I probably won't say it again until hindsight. Um, but I have, I have the most amazing gifts when I wake up every morning. Um, and I, you know, I still have problems. I have eating problems, all that. For the first time in my 50 years, I had decided on June 16th, I had to set that aside because um, it was going to get me killed. And um, I couldn't be sober and active with eating problems and um, like body dysmorphia. And um, I don't know how I have been able to do that for eight months, except there's the only explanation is a spiritual explanation. Um, and um, I work a pretty hardcore pro uh, program. Um, I um, am voluntarily in a sober living house that I'm about to move out of. I am right now spending a week at my sponsor's out in the woods, um, pet sitting for her collage of animals. Um, she trusts me. Um, and that's, that's a pretty outstanding feeling. She, you know, um, um, I, please tell me that's like 10 minutes. Couple more. Couple more minutes. Okay, let's see. Um, I flirted with a nine millimeter gun to my head before I knew that I had alcoholism, but it I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I was out of control. Um I have fallen asleep in 30 degree weather out in the cold um as an adult not too long ago and um, was found unconscious and minutes away from um, hypothermia killing me. Um, I have, I feel like a cat that's, I've used my nine lives. Um, and instead of always feeling like I'm not going to, it's not going to happen to me. I finally feel like I feel a sense of reality that, um, I'm not so special that I'm immortal. Um, but on the other hand, I actually really 
am starting to believe that I am special um, in some ways. And um, I just, I can't tell you about the love I have of the people in my support group. Um, I've never felt so loved and I have, you know, been loved my whole life. Um, boy, I have such a, it's almost overwhelming the amount of support I have. And, um, you know, I have said many times that, um, I've reached my bottom. This was it. I've really done it this time. And I've said also, you know, this time's different. Um, and I read something in a grapevine recently that said, if, if you're trying to find your bottom, stop digging. Um, so I no longer think about this as being my true bottom um, or jinxing myself. Um, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop looking for, a, I just want a shallow bottom, which it certainly has. Hey, uh, my name is Scott. I'm an alcoholic. Thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me to speak with you guys today. It's so weird being back on vent, uh, back on uh, Zoom and not hearing the hey, hey Scott, what's going on? I'm like, thank you. All right, there's some people in here. There we go. Um, and it's nice to see your faces, everybody who's got their video on. It's a good looking group we got here. Some, <laughs> some handsome, uh, handsome people. All right. We got beautiful people here. So, um, yeah, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic, uh, Robin, welcome. I'm, I'm like, so, so happy to hear you speak tonight. Um, and, uh, I hope everybody sticks around. This is, uh, this is a pretty, pretty good program here for if you're an alcoholic and you want to stay alive <laughs> and like useful and out of jail, it's worked. It's worked for me so far. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'm an alcoholic. What the, what the hell does that mean? Um, well, I, I knew, I knew that I didn't want to be an alcoholic. First of all, that was, that was something I would, I was like, all right, I'm going to go through life not being an alcoholic. That was my, my game plan early on. So, um, you know, I, cause I grew up, I grew up watching my dad drink. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he's an alcoholic. You know, that, that, that's, that's an alcoholic. I'm not going to drink like that. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I started out like, okay, as long as I'm not drinking like my dad, I'm probably good. Um, and, uh, I, I would, I used to like go to parties and like drink socially. And, uh, I found that it just kind of loosened me up. Like I, it made me stand a little taller and made me a little more attractive and, and made me more, um, personable. And, uh, you know, it, it was easier to talk to girls, that kind of thing. And, uh, so I, I really liked I really liked what alcohol did for me right off the bat. You know, I, I like that feeling of ease and comfort that I got. Um, and, uh, that, that little like kind of chatterbox going on in my head, just kind of quieted down, you know? Um, cause like, you know, un, unmedicated, unalcohol, uh, 
laden teenage Scott had a lot of self-doubt, a lot of, a lot of negative self-talk going on inside. And, uh, so it, it was nice. Like that, that kind of worked to quiet those voices. And, um, so, so I, I decided like, I wanted to do that as much as I could, <laughs> right. Anytime I could get my hands on, you know, some beers or whatever it was on, you know, whose house are we going to tonight? And, um, you know, more, more and more of my, of my waking thoughts went towards how are we going to like procure it? Whose house are we going to go to? Like, what are we going to do? Like, you know, instead, instead of like focusing on school and on the activities that I was really into and uh, an eventual career and all that kind of stuff, my thoughts really shifted towards like, all right, how can I, how can I feel good? <laughs> like, how, how can I, how can I like, how can I get buzzed and like get, get to where I want to get? So uh, right, right off the bat, kind of like a lot of things started going by the wayside. I, I started getting worse and worse grades. Um, I became less and less interested in academic pursuits or professional pursuits. And I was really more into like, all right, where's the party tonight? Who's got it? Like whose house are we going to that? That was like, you know, right off the bat. So looking back, I can notice that that was like one of the big consequences early on, but I wasn't having like, you know, legal problems or I wasn't, I wasn't like getting busted or kicked out or I I didn't have any like huge consequences like that. Um, There was one pretty scary night where I think I was like a senior in high school and I went over to my buddy's house and his parents were cool. Right. They let us party. They were just like, just leave your keys with us and you guys can drink all you want. So they had like the fridge stocked and uh, there was a bottle of whiskey. And I was like, me and my buddy were like, Hey, we should have a whiskey drinking contest. So that's what we did. And I was about like three double shots in when I blacked out, but apparently I just kept going. And um, I don't remember what happened. I remember waking up the next morning and, uh, I was lying on the floor on my side. Thankfully, this probably would save my life. I was on my side. My head was resting in like a puddle of, of vomit and it was bloody. And I was like, Holy shit. Like that all happened while I was unconscious. Like I could have, I could have usually like choked to death on that. Right. Um, and you know, I, I started like, um, piecing together what had happened the night before <laughs> from various sources. And me, apparently me and my buddy br- drank that whole handle. And this was not like, Oh, this is not like seasoned alcoholic Scott. This is like young liver just started drinking you know, never really fucked with hard alcohol, Scott. Like, so I didn't, I didn't have that tolerance yet. I wasn't like, okay, I, I can't just drink half a handle to my face and be okay. So I, I got like pretty bad alcohol poisoning that night and I was lucky to have survived. But my takeaway from that experience was, um, okay, as long as I don't drink that much, I'll be cool. I just learned a little something about limits. 
So I just, I just overshot the mark a little bit. I just went a little past the limit. As long as I drink less whiskey next time, I should be fine. Like this isn't a problem. <laughs> uh, so I, I think, you know, a normal person would have that kind of experience and probably be like, fuck that. I'm never drinking again. I'm lucky to be alive. You know, maybe I'll go join the church or something, but that, that was not my reaction to, to that experience. Um, I still wanted to drink every weekend and, uh, and then, you know, I started doing dabbling with other stuff too. So, um, so I had a pretty like early on, like before I even started drinking, um, I started playing music and started getting paid to play music. And like, um, I was making pretty good money for like a high school kid, you know? So I, I was always like, you know, going to school kind of, and then like working after school. And, uh, so I had a lot of, uh, <laughs> I had like a lot of, uh, discretionary income. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I learned, I learned that I like other things besides alcohol and those could sometimes be easier to get, um, when you have a lot of cash and you're a, you're a dumb kid. So I, you know, I started dabbling and, uh, I found, I found a few different combinations of, of things that could go with the alcohol to make it you know, better it could ease the hangover the next day or maybe make it so I could drink more and drink later in the evening. And, uh, so I just kind of ran with that. And, um, throughout my music career, like I found that I could play at a lot of different clubs and they would hook up free drinks. And I learned the names of all the bouncers and all the bartenders. So pretty much from a young age, I had access to like a lot of clubs where I could drink and, do other things. And, uh, it was pretty cool. I was like living the high life. So I was like, all right, I basically arrived. They're not drug testing me. You know, I'm working six, seven nights a week, making good money. Um, it seems like socially acceptable to do what I'm doing and, uh, let's just keep this party rolling, you know? Um, so there was a few good years in there where I had like found the perfect combination and I was like, all right, this is great. Um, but you know, as, as it, as it goes, like I started needing more and more to like get to that same point to get, to get that feel good. Um, and, uh, I was out drinking and out using a lot of people I was hanging around. So I started surrounding myself with people, who liked to drink and use the way that I did. And, uh, I don't know, they call it like looking for lower companions or whatever. So I, I constantly, you know, kept lower companions around until I was basically just like hanging with scumbags <laughs> and like, uh, like hanging with drug dealers, hanging with gangsters, like hanging with the guy that worked at the liquor store. Um, you know, the guy that rode around Berkeley on a bike and like sold Molly <laughs> shit. Like these were my friends. Right. So I'd, I'd, you know, barbecue and have them all over and, and it would just be a party. Um, so it was like, you know, rolling through my twenties, just kind of like in a blur. And I really don't remember a whole heck of a lot from these years. Right. Which is kind of sad. <laughs> like, I have a, I have a gap of years in my life and these are supposed to be like some of the prime years of life that I really just pissed away. And, and I have, 
I have some memories here and there, but it's, it's mostly kind of like intermittent, you know, and most days were the same. Anyway, I'd wake up, um, you know, smoke some weed and then go about my day, get some alcohol in me. Um, maybe go play a gig or teach some lessons and, you know, get a bottle and maybe barbecue <laughs> or like go play at a bar or something and get, get faded. I'm lucky. Like I never got a DUI, but I drove under the influence constantly. And it was, I was never like, cause I, cause I would like, you know, I, I had become a master at like finding that balance to where I was like had enough, but I wasn't like falling down or whatever. So you know, I felt like I was in pretty good control, but looking back, I'm just like, dude, at any point I could have gotten pulled over, breathalyzed or drug tested and it, it'd be a wrap. Like I'd be in jail. Um, but when I was in it, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm maintaining, like, this is cool. <laughs> but it, it like, it really was not cool at all. Um, and I'm, that's one of the things I'm really grateful for today that I never like got in an accident and hurt somebody. Um, or killed somebody, you know? And, uh, and that's just a, uh, it's, it's what I know now is just a yet like that hasn't happened yet. And, and it's, it's something that I'm eligible to do if I choose to pick up another drink. That's just maybe one of the bottoms I haven't hit yet. If I choose to pick up the shovel and keep digging. So, uh, um, cause I've seen that happen with people around me. Um, where, <laughs> you know, they, they, uh, they didn't get so lucky or, or they, they got in an accident and killed somebody and, uh, or got a DUI and, um, and that, that destroys lives. And, and so like, I, but for the grace of God, you know, and, and some sheer dumb luck that, that didn't happen to me. That wasn't my experience. Um, so yeah, I started burning through relationships. Um, I had, I had like, you know, one kind of long-term relationship. I was with this, this woman for maybe like six years and, uh, God, man, she, I put her, I put her through the ringer. Um, I think I was maybe like dry for a year of that. And, uh, I say dry because, um, I kept trying to like control it. Right. I kept trying to say like, all right, you know, yeah, no, I've been going, going a little too hard, but I'll take a month off and, and just kind of clean up the system or I'll take, you know, take a few weeks and, uh, and I could do that. I was like, okay, I can stop for a little bit. And then, um, after whatever period of time is over, then, then I can go back to drinking and it'll be fine. And, um, after enough times of trying this, I realized like every time I picked back up, I was right back where I started. It wasn't like, you know, I didn't, I didn't have that like, oh yeah. Okay. I stopped for a while. Now I'm drinking like a gentleman phase. It was like, you know, I'd, I'd pick up and I'd be right back to, you know, all right, I'd have a few drinks and then call my drug dealer. And then, you know, I might disappear for a day or two. <laughs> like, my poor woman is at home just like crying her eyes out and like calling me. And, and you know, I, so I, that was something where it was like, man, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm, I can't go back in time and fix what I did to her. Um, 
And I've, I like made, I, I, I sent a little note to her cause she reached out to me, you know, when I was about a year sober, um, just saying like how sorry I was for the way I treated her and blah, blah, blah. And I hope she's living a good life. And, um, and you know, what I can do now is like not treat my partners that way and be a good, <laughs> be a good partner, be honest, like not just disappear for a couple days <laughs> and turn off my phone, like that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, when I'm, when I'm done playing a show, I come home. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's, that's part of my like living amends is the partner that I'm with now. I'm not going to treat her that way. Right. Cause I work the steps around that and, uh, Oh yeah, I should probably talk about that. So, um, anyway, so I, it, it got to this point where I was like burning down all these relationships. I, I, I threw that relationship with that woman out the window. Um, and good, you know, it was probably the best thing for her and the best thing for me because that really allowed me to hit my bottom. And, uh, my life had gotten so small at that point. Um, I lost that apartment in Berkeley. It was so cool, man. I had like a two bedroom, two baths. It's like a thousand bucks a month. Doesn't exist anymore. That's the same place is probably like two G's now. That's crazy. Anyway. So, um, so yeah, lost that. Um, I had to drop out of school. I was going to like jazz school in Berkeley. It's like the easiest shit. If you show up and like, you're not an asshole, you get good grades. And like, <laughs> I could not do that. I could not do the simple act of just showing up, um, sober. Like I, I had to have something in me and, and it was the point where it was like, look, this, this is not happening. I, I got to take some time off school. I got to get myself together. And, uh, so I, so I dropped out of school. Um, the director of the school was hella cool about it. She's like, yeah, just do what you need to do. Um, let us know when you're back. And, you know, and so that was pretty cool. Um, so I, so I dropped out of school with the plan of like, all right, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to get sober, get my shit together. And then I'll finish this degree. So I, I, uh, moved back in with my mom at like, it was like 26 or 27 at this point. No, I would have been, I would have been almost 28, almost 28 at this point and, uh, moving back in with moms. And, <laughs> uh, that was, that was a huge wake up call. I was like, fuck man. Like I can't take care of myself. I got to move back in with my mother. This is like horrible. And, now she's really getting to see me in my full glory of like round the clock drinking and, and using, and, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be sober when she goes to bed, but like when she wakes up in the morning and pokes her head in my room, it reeks like whiskey and, you know, I'm sweating through pillows and I, I just start to stink. And like, no matter how many showers I take, I just still, I can just smell like, you know, like my liver wasn't fully processed and everything. So it was just like coming out of my pores, that, that kind of, you know, that kind of real attractive social drinking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my, my life basically got to where it was like me and my mom and my little brother and my drug dealer and the guy at the liquor store. And, and those were like pretty much 
the people who I'd see. And even it was hilarious. Like I went out to go see my drug dealer and he tries to 12 step me. He's like, Hey man, you know, you think you might have a problem? <laughs> and I'm like, dude, shut up, man. Just give me my shit. <laughs> like, I don't need you telling me this shit too. Like, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was funny, man. He like, really, he was like, dude, he tried to have a heart to heart with me. He's like, really like, man, you got a, you got a good life. You're throwing it all away. Like you shouldn't be doing this stuff. And this guy's like a fucking gangster, right? He's like, a, <laughs> you know, he's like cartel guy. And, and like, he's, he's trying to like, Hey man, get your life together. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Fuck. So, um, it all kind of came to a head. Uh, I was like, I was like playing this run of shows out in New York. Um, yeah. And somehow I'm still like able to carry on my music business as, as I'm like drinking myself to death. Uh, I'm like touring with like this killer, uh, guitar player from Sao Paulo. So like I flew out to New York to play these shows with them. It's like my dream scenario right i'm like playing at this cool club with like my favorite musicians and i am miserable i am like crawling out of my skin punching stop signs you know fucking ducking into bars like just drinking as much as i can it's not doing anything um people see me walking down the street in new york and they're like cross the street (laughs) you know kind of they're like (laughs) walking around me kind of i'm just i'm giving off that vibe like it's yeah you don't want to be near this fucking guy um and uh and i was just fucking miserable and when i came back from that trip i i just i was like man i've lost i don't even find music enjoyable like the thing that that i really love doing the most I get no joy out of it. No pleasure. Um, I can drink fucking a whole bottle and I won't feel a thing. I won't feel any better than I did. Right. It's not working anymore. And I'm up one night watching, uh, watching TV after my mom went to bed, I'm drinking my bottle and this guy comes on the TV and it's fucking intervention, right? I'm clicking through the channel. Like it, and, and there's this guy on intervention and he's like an alcoholic. He's like my age. And he's like waking up in bushes. And his parents are like freaking out. And he's like drinking a ton of vodka. And I'm like, Hey, I got a drinking buddy tonight. Right on, man. So I'm like, you know, watching the, the advent, the misadventures of, I forget his name, but this, this dude on intervention and, <laughs> And and that that was a thing in the back of my head. I was like, I hope I never have an intervention. Like that would fucking suck. Um, So like, so I'm watching this guy like killing him. He's like drinking himself to death and they do the intervention. Like, will you go to rehab? He's like, Oh fuck. Yeah, I guess so. Like I don't have any other options. So he goes, and I'm like, right on dude, get your shit together. You know, (laughs) I'm like kind of, I'm kind of rooting for him to like, you know, have a good outcome. So, he's going through rehab and like they're like running all these tests and he's like, all his tests are coming back like terrible. And it's like, 
kidneys start shutting down and his liver starts shutting down and his fucking kid, he's like 26 and he dies like 12 days of sobriety. I'm like, Holy fuck. And I started thinking about how I'm feeling every day, how my, my stomach hurts, my organs hurt. Like I'm sweating through my pillow. I'm shaking in the morning. Like my skin doesn't look very good. My color is not very good. Like, fuck. I think I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm dying. I think I'm drinking myself to death. And I had been under the illusion that that wasn't possible at my age. At 28 years old, there's no way I can be drinking myself to death. Um, it's just not possible. I'm too young. Right. Guys, they, they drink until they're in their fifties or sixties, at least before they start having these consequences. But no, like I was, I was advanced, advanced alcoholism pretty early. Um, I was an overachiever (laughs) and, uh, and so I, it was, it was instantly sobered me up watching this kid die in front of my eyes. And, uh, that was my last drink. And I wish I could say that was like my sobriety date, but I did not connect the fact that like weed might also be an issue. So for the next few months I was on marijuana maintenance and I, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to Kaiser. I'm going to start going to these groups again. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm stop doing, you know, anything powdered or whatever. And I'm just going to smoke weed and exercise and get my, get my health back. And that's what I did. And I started feeling better and better. And, um, I was like, Oh, this is sweet. Okay. So I can smoke weed and like, this will be cool. But like, the thing is, (laughs) uh, for this alcoholic, marijuana was not a sufficient substitute. Um, it, it got to the point where I was like smoking all day long and like, I really, I was like, I started losing touch with reality. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but I, I went through like this, this thing without, uh, with weed where I started getting like really paranoid. And like, I started thinking like the feds were on to me and here's, you know, here's what I was doing. I was smoking weed and playing basketball. That's what I was doing. Right. But I thought like the feds were like going to take me down at any moment, dude. And it's like, for what? Like, <laughs> I'm like not even doing anything, but I was so paranoid that like, you know, the guy pushing the shopping cart down the, down the street has, is he's like mic'd up. Right. <laughs> like, it's like, get away from me, dude. Like, I know who you're working for. And, and like, you know, when the guy pushing the shopping cart is giving you weird looks, like, you know, you might, you might be losing touch. You might be losing, losing a grip. So, um, my mom saw what was going on. She called the cops and, and they talked to me for about 10 minutes before they realized I was off my rocker. And, uh, and I got a nice little stint over there in Berkeley at, uh, at Herrick. So I spent a nice, uh, 72 hours at Herrick, um, as a result of, you know, besides just being, like, uh, losing touch with reality. But like, I was so pissed off when I got locked up, I started like threatening the security guards. I was like, I'm going to beat your ass. Like, don't look at me. And like, you know, they don't like that. (laughs) And like, so as soon as I like threatened the guards, they like, 
all of a sudden like 20 guards came out of nowhere. I thought it was just like the three guys right there. Um, they tackled me, they tranquilized me. Um, and this was in Martinez, by the way, this is not a nice place. This is not a place where you want to go. Um, so they, they tackled me, they tranked me and I like woke up like a day later and I was in, I was at Herrick, which if any of you guys have been to Herrick, it's like the opposite of the Martinez psych ward. It's just like flowing fountains and like happy, like serene nurses and like, very peaceful and it's a nice facility to me i thought i'd die and i got to heaven i was like whoa like what the did i die like what the fuck happened because it was i was like in hell at the other place and then this place was like so nice i was like oh shit okay so um apparently like my my mom had like been calling everybody she's like trying to pull strings and get me into a nicer facility so that's that's why i woke up in a nicer facility but to me i was just like oh wow like look at God. Like, <laughs> like I, I came up. So, uh, so yeah, I woke up in this nice facility and, um, and then I was like, kind of, kind of came to realize like what had happened and where I was. And then I was like pissed off again. I was like, wait, what the fuck? So I'm like, I look down and like, I don't, you know, I'm wearing those socks with the little rubber grips on the bottom and, they're telling me like, yeah, you threatened a security guard. So we got to keep you here for 72 hours. And I was like, all right, damn, that sucks. Um, they wouldn't even like, let me drink real coffee. It was like that decaf crap. So, um, so when I was like, when I was locked up at Herrick, I realized like, okay, all of my decisions up until this point in my life has led to me being here. So this is my best thinking. This is the results. Like me in charge of my life. This is what I get. Um, and so I, I was just like, I was at a loss. I was like, man, no matter what I, cause I was very good at talking my way out of situations, like almost to like an art form. <laughs> like I had an excuse for everything. Like, no problem. I was the king of excuses. I was the king of like weaseling my way out of consequences. Right. Um, but no matter what I said or did it was not convincing these people to let me out. Um, you know, no matter what I said or did, I didn't have any choice over what I was eating that day. I couldn't get a real cup of coffee, you know, whatever I couldn't, I couldn't get my way. And, um, I truly, I truly like felt powerlessness for that, for the first time. Um, and as a result of that powerlessness and realizing I was not in control and that when I was in control, like, this is what happens. I surrendered and I, 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 I was like, God, <laughs> I'm waving the white flag here. You know, please don't shoot me. I surrender. Uh, and, and, you know, I've said this, I've said this same prayer to God, like a million times, right? God, if you get me out of this, I'll do X, Y, Z. But this was actually the only time where I had actually planned on following through with my end of the bargain. Right. So I said, I said the, the alcoholic prayer, God, please get me out of this one. <laughs> get me out of here. And I'll, and I'll check back in with Kaiser and I'll start going to those, um, 
those A&A meetings that they're talking about in the, in the rehab. And they told me, they told me a whole list of programs that I qualified for. It wasn't just AA, you know, it was like, um, yeah, basically everything with an A after it, I qualify for. So <laughs> that's a whole nother story. But so I started, I started going back to the Kaiser groups and, um, I, uh, I started going to, to, uh, AA meetings. I, I, I dabbled with some NA meetings. Um, and, uh, but what I really, I really found, um, my, you know, my, my people and the message in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I could identify with people. Um, I got, I got tricked into getting a sponsor. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened to me. So, um, I was playing, I was playing at a, uh, a rehearsal and this was not an AA meeting. So I, this is how, this is like, look at God. All right. I'm like playing at this rehearsal and we're like playing, we're playing the songs and the guitar player looks at me and he's like, you look different. <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? You look good. I was like, Oh, thanks man. Uh, yeah. Like I, I stopped drinking and a few months ago and, you know, I was trying to exercise, watch, watch what I eat and that kind of thing. He's like, stop drinking, huh? Are you going to AA? He was like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to check it out. He's like, do you have a sponsor? And I was like, no, not really. I'm just kind of like checking out the meetings right now. It's like, you know, not, not a big deal. I'm just seeing if it's a good fit. And he's like, Oh, okay. Well, no problem, man. I'll be your temporary sponsor until you find one. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> so that's, that's how he, uh, he tricked me into becoming my sponsor. Um, and he told me to call him anytime I felt like, you know, like getting loaded. And so, um, that was another pretty good trick. Cause then I had to call him every day. <laughs> right. Cause I was, I was still squirrely. I was like, I had surrendered and, you know, I knew I was powerless over it, but God, did I want to, did I want to pick up for that first like month and change? Um, and, uh, you know, the more, the more I kept coming back, the more meetings I went to, the longer a period between like the last drink and last drug and, uh, and today, the less that feeling of like, Oh man, I really need, I really need something. Um, it started, it started like fading, getting less and less. And like, I started, I started hearing the message more and more in, in Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and I admitted, you know, I admitted I was an alcoholic. I remember the first time I raised my hand and said, I'm Scott, I'm an alcoholic. What a relief that was. Cause I never said that out loud before. Um, I, you know, I think deep down, I knew it for a long time, but saying it out loud in front of a group of like-minded people was a huge relief for me. Um, uh, and guys, let me know if I'm like getting close. Am I supposed to speak until nine? What's, what's the format here? Five more minutes. Okay, cool. All right. I can get sober in five minutes. All right. So, <laughs> so I started, and this was like, this was like, you know, um, mid 2015, I start working with this guy and, um, and my life starts to change and I start seeing my part in a lot of things, you know, uh, up until this point in my life, I was fairly certain that other people were to blame for all my problems. Right. Cause I'm a fucking great guy. 
Uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, him, he did this and she did that. And right. So that was, that was my skewed lens coming into AA and, uh, and my sponsor started calling me on my bullshit. He started saying like, Nope, uh, you did this, this, and this. And <laughs> that's why that person doesn't like you. You ought to pay him his money back, apologize, <laughs> ask if there's anything else you can do to make it right and uh, be willing to do whatever they tell you. And it doesn't matter if they're like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're cool. As long as you like wash my car and mow my lawn, you better fucking get the mower out. Cause uh, that could be the difference between you picking up a drink and dying or, or uh, you know, you staying and living a happy, sober life. So he was really like, he was good about it you know, seeing, seeing like where I was trying to squirrel my way out of situations. Cause apparently like he had met bullshitters like me before. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so that was great. You know, just work, working with him and, um, and start starting to see my part in things, uh, making that, that four step was huge. Um, I, I was like, really, really tried to avoid doing that. I tried my hardest, you guys. Like, you know, I, I, I even made it like about a year um, just doing one, two, three and making meetings and doing commitments and doing anything but my four step, everything I could do but my four step. And, uh, and, and, you know, an old timer pulled me aside and called me out of my shit. And he said that uh, the difference between alcoholics who make it and those who drink and, and end up dead are uh, the guys that do their four steps usually stick around. So I was like, all right, um, I'll do it. And it only took me like two days, you know, sit down with pen and paper and uh, put down all that stuff I'd been carrying around. Um, and uh, doing that fifth step was really cool. Um, not as cool as hearing my first fifth step, by the way. So if you've done a fifth step with your sponsor, but you haven't heard one yet, stick around. Like it, it's, it's better to hear one than, than to do one. But I, I still, I was like, okay, after I did that fifth step, it was like this huge relief. I started feeling like, okay, maybe I'm not the biggest piece of shit in the world. Cause my sponsor, every time I would tell him something, I was sure no one else had done. He would just laugh and say, Oh, Scott, we've all done that shit. Like you're not special. Um, so, so like, you know, my, my terminal uniqueness started like, started, uh, lessening and I, I started to see myself as just like another, another drunk. Yep. I'm just another garden variety drunk. And, uh, this is what drunks do. And that was cool. I was like, all right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, so that, that was, you know, that was about, uh, you know, seven years ago that I started getting sober. Um, since then, like my life has changed. Uh, I'm in, in an amazing way. Um, I have a great relationship with my parents, uh, with my brother, you know, I cleaned up all that stuff. Um, I actually made a financial amends with my mom for a few years where I was like paying her money every month until she was like, you know, you don't really need to keep doing this. Like we're good. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I just felt like I had to do this. Cause like I was such a taker for so long. And now, now I'm just kind of in that mood uh, in that mode of like seeing what I can do for my mom. When I interact with her, try to try to give her something every time I go over there instead of taking something from her. So, um, 
anyway, I, I'm going to wrap it up with, with, uh, this, that, that, uh, I'm so grateful for the life that I have today. And it's, it's all thanks to Alcoholics Anonymous. So I hope you all stick around and, uh, I'm Scott. I'm an alcoholic. Thank you.